we're learning the ropes of how to do this, um, starting to understand uh, what we should be spending um, to offset those emissions, uh, not just spending 15 or $20 a carbon ton for um, carbon avoidance, but to be investing more, $25, $50, $75 to do things like de deforestation and, and, and investing in the most promising scalable carbon removal technology. On today's show, we're talking to Ripple and the Energy Web Foundation and asking the simple question of how clean is the technology industry and what would it take to decarbonize it? This is Tech Talks. It's your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we interview leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Welcome to today's show. I'm joined by Haley. I'm joined by Akish. The American election's still going on and we start... We recorded four days ago. We're not. We're not any closer, are we yet? To be fair, I think we're, no, I think we're there. I think we're no, nearly there. Are we there? More yeah. or less. I mean, yeah. no, but it's heading in a certain direction, and Mr. Trump doesn't like that. No, I've lost interest. Oh, it's hilarious. It's just he's he wants them to stop voting in some states and carry on carry on counting votes in other states. It's just like the hypocrisy is hilarious. It's but, the states um, where he's losing as well. Is is where yeah. he wants them to stop. Standard. Um, what I don't get is you create this problem for yourself if it takes you four days to count ballots. Like our election night, we were talking about Sunderland earlier in the week. They managed to do it in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Also, I, th I think there's less people here, right? There's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there are. There are less people, people in Sunderland than there are in Pennsylvania. Well, yeah, exactly. But so maybe that, that takes a bit of time. I don't know. It's hard, man. There's a blooming global pandemic going on at the same time and and an election, it's all kicking off in the States, isn't it, really? Yeah, no, that's true. But do you know what would help? Go on, Dave. Blockchain. Vote on blockchain. Wouldn't even need to count all these bloody ballots. It would be, <laughs> be immediately ordered. You know, you could just vote from anywhere. During a pandemic, you could have just logged onto your computer and gone, yeah, this one, vote from home. It's all, yeah. all, all you know, digital, electronic certificate, no fraud on the blockchain. And, you know, the vote count, press of a button, done. None Very of this true. fucking drama. That's true, actually. Hayley, you look like you want to die. No, I don't. I'm just trying to get my head around blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. A lot of people try to get their head around blockchain. Uh, right. Today's episode, though, we're talking to Ken from Ripple. We're talking to Jesse from the Energy Web Foundation. You'll find out why that is a spurious link into the interview. Now, we'll be back with some commentary afterwards uh, and a little bit of tech news. So today I am joined by Ken and Jesse. Ken, you are the head of social impact at Ripple. Jesse, you are the CCO of the Energy Web Foundation. And this is a bit of a first because I've interviewed plenty of, of partnerships from one organization very rarely have i on an episode had two people from two different organizations but there is a very real reason why we have you both here today thanks david yeah this is kind of like a buddy movie uh, jesse and i have been working on uh, a number of exciting projects uh, involving decarbonization of blockchain and cryptocurrency globally and uh, we're a fintech uh, with lots of engineers and lots of complexity but um, in working with jesse's organization energy web foundation it's been uh, a, a real learning curve a learning experience in terms of understanding just how renewable energy markets work globally and how as a fintech we can uh, plug into what they're doing to uh, uh, make what we're doing more sustainable. 
Before we get any deeper, I think it'd be really useful just to make sure that people really understand what we're talking about. So, so Ken, if you want to start, just just in thirty seconds, explain who Ripple are for anyone who's not familiar, and then and then Jesse, if we jump over and just explain uh, who the Energy Web Foundation are. Sure. So Ripple is what's called a fintech, and we're uh, focused on making it very easy, easier than it is today, as easy it is to move information today, uh, to move money uh, globally cross-border. Um, and you know we're essentially an enterprise software company for uh, banks, payment service providers. Um, we're focused on remittances, uh, small and medium-sized enterprise cross-border payments. And we have some uh, corporate uh, customers as well um, who have uh, offices globally. And on the energy website, uh, we are a global nonprofit organization that is focused on decarbonizing the global economy. The way that we do that is a little bit different than some other nonprofits. We make open source software with a community of just over a hundred big energy companies. Uh, and it's not just open source software, but we're also big on decentralized software, which is really where there's some overlap here directly between the work of Ripple and the work of Energy Web, because underneath a lot of our tech, we use blockchain amongst other decentralized technologies. And we make all of that open source available to the world in order to accelerate global efforts towards decarbonization. No, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When this came through as a suggestion for a podcast topic, it caught my eye. And there was one line that, that was in there that really threw me that of 40 million Bitcoin transactions, they generated 28 billion kilowatts of energy versus Portugal consuming 28 billion kilowatts of energy in a year. And that threw me because when we talk about fintech, we talk about finance on this podcast, the topics that we tend to talk about are accessibility, they are ethical data concerns, they are um, very much entrenched in things like fraud and securities. And when we do talk about sustainability, we tend to think about companies like oil and gas, or we think about how tech can lessen the impact on heavy agriculture and, and big industries like that. It has never occurred to me to talk about carbon neutrality in the finance field, if I'm perfectly honest. If, am I alone in being shocked by that? I mean, when you talk to people outside of the industry, are they aware? I I think this is something that uh, traditional finance and uh, fintech is now waking up to as a priority. And among fintechs, uh, there's a, a realization that um, in in the early days of building out the global blockchain ecosystem as a uh, as a, a growing share of global finance, it's still early days, and this is an opportunity to kind of build this in to the system rather than to have to go back and reverse engineer it uh, at a later date once it's scaled and is much more um, common as a component of global finance. So, um, you know. XRP, uh, the digital currency, which is the third or fourth uh, by volume, um, and which is you know used by uh, now hundreds of uh, financial institutions globally, um, you know is is natively green. It is a pre-mined currency. It doesn't require. Uh, massive amounts of servers and and energy to uh, to to get it in the first place. Um, and it, it's 
transactions in XRP settle uh, very quickly and by consensus, not by proof of work. So um, running a uh, an XRP validator is is little little you know it's comparable to running an email server in terms of its energy intensity. That said, it, you know XRP and the XRP ledger do have a carbon footprint, and uh, we want to uh, decarbonize that um, and. That's why we've partnered with Energy Web Foundation to uh, uh, create the Energy Web Zero tool. Um, and we've, in fact, now already made our first purchases of renewable energy certificates in, in three of the largest markets that the XRP Ledger operates in. And so we're off and running and, and on our way. I think before we jump in deeper on what Energy Web and, and Ripple have done together, it might be zooming out on that. Um, it might be worth zooming out on that question about global finance and sustainability just for a second, David, because I think that's a really good one. So let me let me just offer a little bit of framing there. <clears throat> um, uh, point one is that actually we as Energy Web are directly engaged with some of those same oil and gas majors you're talking about, um, Shell. Equinor, huge energy companies, Electricité de, de France, um, some of the largest utilities in the U.S. And the reason we're engaged with them to work on digitization and software is because those same large uh, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 global companies that you're referencing, they're on board with the bandwagon of clean tech, right? And that's because renewables are the cheapest source of electricity in the world right now, full stop. In most places in the world, wind, solar, hydro, energy efficiency, all of those sources of electricity are actually cheaper than thermal power, right? And so that's just, I think, worth, worth remembering is that all this stuff around climate and sustainability, yes, there's a moral, moral and ethical piece to it, but also it's good business, right? And that's very much in our DNA at Energy Web. The second thing I, worth, I think that's worth noting is before we talk about crypto, just think about divestment for a minute in the space of climate. Whether we're talking about pension funds, whether we're talking about some of the biggest hedge funds in the world, they are under pressure to divest away from fossil fuel-based investments. That's happening. Don't take my word for it. Um, that's out there. So what I think is interesting here with what we've done with Ripple and the XRP Foundation is trying to take that ethos of uh, decarbonizing an entire industry, but just bring it to crypto. Um, so hopefully that context helps a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because obviously in the mainstream media, the kind of the, the 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 narrative is lots of people very, 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 uh, um, I suppose, showing a lot of active activism around this, and then nation states tearing up the Paris Accord and kind of going in the opposite direction. So it's interesting to hear you say that actually a lot of private organisations are awake to this because it's not really what we hear in the press. I mean, British Petroleum, right? Shell, um, most of the non-US oil and gas majors, just to take a single vertical, look at the plans that they've released in the past just quarter. Um, they're effectively cutting oil production and sales by between 30 and 60% over the next 10 years and moving most of their revenue generating activities to things like green electricity, hydrogen production, other kinds of low carbon commodities. So it is, especially as an American, right? It is incredibly frustrating to see these headlines out there that is all about uh, climate this, climate that, um, when realistically, the business case for these technologies is stronger than it's ever been. I, I, Sorry, David, I, I think what Jesse's saying is really important. There is an, there is an 
altruism argument here to, you know, make these technologies more sustainable. But there certainly is a competitive advantage involved as well. If you're a if you're a bank, if you're a, an end user, uh, someone sending a remittance, remittance from uh, London to uh, uh, Lagos, for example, and you have a choice to use a clean technology or uh, an old technology that uh, may not be clean, you know, generally you're going to you know, make the make the right choice, and so I think if you're if you're a payment service provider, if you're uh, an application bank, um, if you um, if you are operating a blockchain or on a blockchain, you're going to want to make that choice because you're giving your your product and your service an attribute that um, you know people are going to prefer. Now, I do find this really interesting because, Jesse, uh, I mean, Ken, you've just touched on it there, but Jesse said earlier that you're using blockchain to effectively solve blockchain. Um, I've heard uh, conversations with friends where we've talked about electric cars, but then people go, oh, but yeah, but they're still producing electricity and you don't know how they're producing that electricity. Just because the car's electric doesn't mean that the fuel that they are running on is necessarily green. So the idea that you can audit where that energy comes from, and I suppose then have that transparency to someone like me is is a really interesting one, right? Yeah. I mean, let's talk through what we did here with Energy Web Zero um, to decarbonize, in this case, the XRP blockchain or the XRP ledger. So first, uh, Ken and his team, they conducted a very deep analysis to try and understand how much electricity the XRP ledger is consuming on an annual basis and where that electricity is coming from around the world. Right. They provided that information into this software, Energy Web Zero, which is, again, itself running on top of a blockchain. In this case, the Energy Web Chain, which is one that is run by the Energy Web Foundation community. And then that information was used to look around the world and actually find solar and wind and other renewable energy facilities um, that were producing energy. And we use certificates for those facilities to effectively sell energy back to Ripple and the XRP Foundation. And so the reason we use the language of auditability and traceability is that all of those certificates are coming from specific renewable energy facilities that have a digital identity that is rooted onto a blockchain. So that means you don't have to take my word for it that a solar farm in the Philippines or a wind facility in the UK or the US, which is where these certificates came from for this transaction, it's actually tracked on the blockchain. Right. Mm. So you can clearly see that Ripple XRP Foundation came in, said we want to buy this much renewable energy. And you can see where those certificates, that's the thing that's used to actually track the energy. You can see where it came from. Now, look, cynical uh, question, but it's great that large financial institutions are waking up to this. Why should Ripple care? I mean, hopefully they they would and they obviously are. Uh, But you're an emerging tech business. And to be perfectly frank right now, you could be forgiven for just wanting to establish your name and to, to kind of grow the business rather than worrying about the global impact of your of your technology. I mean, you'd imagine that that would be something that a mature organization might begin to concern themselves with when they've reached a certain size. So why is it that they have someone like you in a, in a head of social impact role? That's a that's a great question, and it's certainly unusual for a you know a, a barely a five hundred person company to be focused on uh, social and environmental impact while also you know uh, rushing to uh, 
uh, implement customers and and you know satisfy you know the demands of a product roadmap. Um, uh, you know, part of the part of the founding idea of Ripple was uh, that globalization was not working for everybody. Um, that it was not inclusive enough, um, and and that these technologies would uh, begin to provide an on ramp for the almost two billion bankable adults in the world who are unbanked, um, and that and that these technologies would begin to make uh, financial services fairer, more equitable um, for the middle two billion uh, bankable adults. Um, from a sustainability standpoint. Uh, you know, the world of cryptocurrency certainly, as you mentioned earlier, has uh, some overhang in terms of nefarious actors and, um, you know, unintended consequences. Uh, and so, you know, we think that uh, something like this is is beneficial not just to to Ripple or to XRP or to the XRP ecosystem, which, by the way, is an open source uh, community. Ripple is just a part of that Um we certainly don't control it. Jesse mentioned the XRP Foundation. This is a Dutch-based nonprofit um, that uh, uh, engages with uh, hosts and developers around the world to kind of build out the system. And they are stewards of some of the infrastructure um, of the XRP ledger. So, so they're very excited about this too, um, as are individual developers. Um, we think rising tide lifts all boats. We don't think... Uh, the world of blockchain and crypto is a, is a winner-take-all, uh, you know, situation. We think that there'll be uh, lots of use, use cases, lots of utilities. Um, and again, uh, the more sustainable um, the system is, the more scalable it's going to be, the more adoptable it's going to be. Um, and so we're, you know, we're, we're excited about um, others including competitors, including currencies and uh, companies that, you know, are competitive, um, adopting these uh, these practices and taking advantage of, of this opportunity. Okay, so talking about adopting practices, um, one amazing commitment that Ripple has made is that you are one of the first companies in your field to say that you will be carbon neutral. How does the partnership between your two organizations help you actually get there? And what can other companies learn from that? Yes, we. In addition to um, uh, working with the XRP uh, ecosystem to decarbonize uh, the ledger, uh, we have also made a commitment as a company to get to net zero by 2030 uh, for everything that we do from a business standpoint: buildings, flights, use of cloud services, and so on. Um, that will be a as it as it typically is um, a combination of us reducing our. Uh, emissions as a company and making making smarter and more sustainable choices, but also uh, purchasing clean energy um, and using a, a tool like uh, Energy Web Zero to do that, and making some investments in innovative carbon removal technology so that um, decarbonization can go faster. Um, and so, uh, certainly in our uh, partnership with Energy Web Foundation and the Rocky Mountain Institute, uh, which is a uh, a partner of EWFs. Um, we're learning the ropes of how to do this, um, starting to understand uh, what we should be spending um, to offset those emissions, uh, not just spending 15 or $20 a carbon ton for um, carbon avoidance, but to be investing more, $25, $50, $75 to do things like de deforestation and, and, and investing in the most promising scalable carbon removal technology. And to tie the, the to, to make a bit of a connection between what we've done with Ripple here and the this kind of broader concept of corporates, um, uh, 
continuing to decarbonize their supply chains. Um, Energy Web Zero, again, is a totally open source application, and we were really happy to, to have Ripple come in um, and the XRP Foundation and build it with us. Um, we used it, in this case, to decarbonize a blockchain, the XRP ledger. But it's not meant just for blockchains. The vision for Zero is for this single global portal. Think of it like Kayak.com or Skyscanner in Europe, right? Where a corporate can come in, uh, create an identity, and say, this is you know how much renewable energy I want to buy, and I need some certain things to be true. It needs to come from X, Y, and Z geographies. Maybe they only want to get solar. They only want to get wind. It's meant to be a one-stop shop to help corporates purchase renewables. Because if you look at, look at some of the big tech companies, what they're doing here, Google just announced that they're going to be purchasing electricity to power all of their electric demand globally on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week basis meaning every single electron flowing through a Google data center is going to be green, right? How many other companies in the world can actually do that? How many other companies have probably 100 people doing product just to help with their carbon offset and sustainability work? Not many, right? So part of the work we're doing here, and we were incredibly excited to work with Ripple on it, was how can we make it easy for corporates to go out and decarbonize their supply chains when they don't have 100 incredibly smart people working on how to do it just for their own company. So that's the point of zero. But again, blockchains use a lot of electricity, just like big companies do. David, we even have some optimism around um, not just other fintechs. And certainly there are other fintechs that are committed to uh, decarboni decarbonizing their uh, blockchain. Celo is, is a good example uh, of that um, and a company, uh, you know, with whom we work. Um, but we, we think over time that individual hosts and developers uh, will, will embrace this, um, will do a couple of things. One is they'll develop um, uh, code and software and feature sets, uh, perhaps in in partnership with EWF, perhaps on their own, to build out even more uh, energy efficiency in these blockchains. Um, we also think that they're going to want to contribute to this, right? So if Ripple or uh, the XRP Foundation is picking up the tab for getting to carbon zero, if developers are then also contributing, we're actually going to have carbon net positive uh, blockchains, which is is pretty exciting. So it's it's doing the right thing and then going beyond that to do more than the fair share of, uh, of the fintech industry. Well, look, I want to thank you both for your time. I think it's fascinating to hear how the Energy Web Foundation and Ripple are working together and, and the steps that you're taking. As I said, it's not something that had ever really occurred to me, which feels rubbish given <laughs> how <laughs> important an issue it is as it faces the world at the moment. So no, it is truly fantastic to hear what you guys are up to. And I, I hope it continues to go well. And fingers crossed you do reach those targets of, uh, of carbon net neutrality by 2030. Thank you, David. Thanks for having us. I, well, I think one of the things that I just don't question is how clean or dirty my use of technology is. Okay, I can answer this because... Right, okay, I was going to say aside. Um, in, in what way? In what way? <laughs> I've never associated technology with being like not sustainable. So when I listened to this, it was a real eye-opener. I don't know about you, Keish. I, 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 I never associated it with being dirty. Mm. You know, I, I, I did either. And you know, little things like... Um, you know when you go on your bank and on your online bank and it goes, oh, go paperless and do this and do all that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. always think, yeah, if, I, if I'm not using, you know, kind of paper or 
gas, electricity, all these sorts of things. And yeah, maybe I'm, you know, kind of doing my pit for the environment, but then you never actually question because it's the next option and it's deemed as the option away from what's harming the environment and the world. You always think, yeah, screw it. That's, that's obviously the right thing to do. Little did we know. Up to our point earlier in the week when we're talking to Cummins and we're talking about electric cars, it's all very well saying the car itself is electric, but you don't know where the the electricity that's in it has been generated. And it's a similar thing. We all go, technology is sustainable, but big old data centers with huge servers that take a huge amount of electricity to keep them cool, to keep them running, and you know where it's where it's centralized can be really bad for the planet. Definitely. And I think when it comes to this, when you think about wind turbines and everything like that, you think, yeah, great. Like that's sustainable. That's how I see it. But there's so many electronic devices that aren't using wind turbine energy. Yeah. I feel like that's the minority when it should be the majority. Do you know what I mean? So, and I think it's also to do with awareness. So like we're sitting here saying like, we didn't know that it was such a big issue. We didn't know it was using so much energy that was causing so much harm. I yeah. don't think many people will. So it's well, like, no, you know, no. I talk about blockchain and I talk about Bitcoin and everyone's familiar with Bitcoin. I never, I never think to myself, oh, the amount of Bitcoin transactions, 40 million Bitcoin transactions uses as many kilowatts of electricity as Portugal gets through. Mm, I mean, yeah. that is like, what? Yeah, really? It's huge. It's huge. Especially when you see all those Bitcoin machines plugged into like off licenses and all that. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, well, where are these getting... Yeah, you, you're going up to them and putting cash in and whatever it's getting done to Bitcoin. But where, where are these getting powered from? And yeah, you know, I, I doubt that's coming from a wind turbine, to be fair. It's probably some sort of massive generator or, yeah. you know, kind of um, whatever, like where, where, you know, fuels or something to, to be making that. I don't know. But just as Amy from Cummins was talking about the fact that now is the time for hydrogen because now these technologies have got cheap. Now there is an opportunity and there is a business case behind it. It's exactly what Jesse's saying about decarbonizing industry, saying it's good business. Definitely. You know, this isn't altruistic. It's getting cheaper. It is cheaper to use wind, to use solar, solar to use hydro, hydro power than it is to dig up fossil fuels and burn them. Definitely. Mm. I, think I think that so. as a consumer, although we might not know of the real damage that these sorts of things are doing as consumers when we see businesses doing their bit for sustainability it's attractive i think i think that you would maybe go for something because it's maybe a little bit more sustainable so it is definitely good business and i think that i think that now the bigger businesses are going for it i think it might be a domino effect but i think it's going to take time Mm. i feel like everyone's especially trying to save some money although this is cheap i feel like they just think oh stick with what we've got especially the big organizations like how would they transfer that is it safe in security wise i don't know yeah but what they've they've a lot of them have committed to 50 to 60 percent over the next 10 years hydrogen was mentioned in there but you know and we're talking about the big utilities we're talking about shell bp edf Mm. Uh, you know it's all very well that there are countries that renegade on things like the paris accord and, and and stuff like that but fundamentally it comes down to whether or not there are ceos who can make or lose money on this mm. tech up to now you know the real cynical aspect is up to now it's been more expensive to go down the route of green and renewables and now it looks like it's cheaper to go down that route and before we know it we probably will find that the world changes quite quickly and that is massively cynical but 
it's good at the same time that that is the direction of travel. Yeah, but I think it's cheaper, but it's still quite untested. And I think a lot of these major companies, they will feel crikey shit, you know, is this what we need to be doing? It's so away from the the norm. Is this the, you know, the way we need to be doing things? But as the last blue in seven months have told you, things in the world can move very, very, very quickly, right? And, yeah. you, can, and you can adapt to things if you want to, you know, in, in, in time that you possibly didn't think was possible um so is is it is, is there a need yeah 100 percent. you know there, there's obviously a lot of stuff in the news at the moment with world leaders and and you know kind of getting into all kinds of bother and whether they're opting into a, a kind of climate change you know treaty whether they're opting out whatever um but I think organizations need to drive that within their respective countries. Mm. And, and I think up until you get the big players, like Haley said, and obviously yourself, up until you get that CEO signature and, you know, the, the senior board um, kind of championing something, that's the only way, you know, things will change. And all it's going to take, I can probably see it now, to be fair, all it's going to take is going to take one big global kind of household name to change the way of working and then suddenly bang it's going to be a domino effect and things will move very very quickly um as yeah, we've seen, we've seen how the world yeah, like you're saying we've seen how the world's accelerated in no time at all when it's put under mm, pressure yeah exactly so we can do it but it's always been a case of red tape uncertainty don't want to fall behind the comp you know life is too good in in the here and now and present um so yeah but i think that changes to happen and it'll probably will get happen. Yeah. yeah. We'll get, will get happen. We'll, will happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Changes are coming. Right. Okay. I think that'll do for this part of the podcast. We'll say thank you to Ripple. Kenny, we'll say thank you to Jesse energy web foundation. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with some highly topical tech news. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs, so go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. Welcome back. It's Friday. Bit of technology news. We're going to the skies and the stars. Right. You'll see why I'm talking about this in a second. But a man has built a jetpack in tribute to his dad. Richard Browning is pursuing the stuff of a million childhood dreams and has built a working jetpack. <laughs> right. Will anybody use it? Why am I talking about this? Sean Connery recently died. What is Sean Connery using the Bond films? A jetpack. Mm. Jetpacks, ever since then, people have wanted jetpacks, right? You see these ones that are kind of like water-powered when people go on holiday and they're kind of mm. doing it over the sea. This is one that works, by the looks of it, on land. Um, he's using it in the Lake District as part of the Great Air North uh, ambulance service. I suppose if you're trying to get up a mountain quickly to someone, then maybe a jetpack is a useful idea. But we first saw jetpacks in Thunderball. So, guys, films... Brilliant technology. What do you want someone to go away and, and make reality? Oh, that's a good one, Gino. That is a good one. Teleportation. Uh, yeah. Oh. Teleportation. Yeah, like the Do you fly. really need it, though? All right, okay. I thought you were going to be like... Yeah, I do, because I want to get... I don't want to sit on a plane for 12 hours. 
Just go live there now, though. You don't need to be in London anymore. Well, let's see what our managers say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about Star Trek-style transport, or are you saying, or flying really quickly? Teleportation being like instant No, I mean, like, snapping my fingers, and I'm in Italy. There you are. That's a superpower, though, Hayley. No, not no, no, Star Trek. Star Trek, they can instantly move you from one place to another on transport, can't they? Yeah. Anyway, what's your thing? I don't know, you know. Something like Doctor Who-style booth, you go in, or Back to the Future-type stuff, you go in, you put in kind of whatever year or something like that. Or a time machine. Yeah, 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 time machine. Yeah, that <laughs> or or, uh, or um, the night mobile, night rider mobile. That would be pretty freaking sick. But it's think, not exactly futuristic, now. no, it's not, but it's pretty cool, though, isn't it? Really, a car that's that cool. talks to you that's just like your car that, with Siri on, yeah, but it's pretty blooming cool, isn't it? All, all the funky lights and stuff in front of you, it's pretty cool. Or if you want to stay on the James Bond theme, if I could fire missiles out my car to people when i get road rage that'll be pretty sick not missiles i don't want to kill anyone but you know just pellets or something just you know you get the delivery guy just cut you up on a roundabout bang shoot a pellet out so the thing is though if Haley's transporter comes into reality we don't need cars for road rage unless it's just you know or at least there'll be a lot less cars on the road because it'll be like well i gotta get liverpool from manchester done yeah fair enough exactly no one wants to sit in that traffic No, no. I wouldn't have gone to Italy. I, would, I mean, I love Italy, but I think if I could transport anywhere, it'd be like to some tiny little island. I'd literally buy like an island that that is this big. We'd just be like, oh, should we go to Italy for dinner tonight? Perfect. All right, let's go there now. Is that, is that, is that, is that where your favourite date location would be? We'll go, no. We'll go to Italy tonight. <laughs> no, get your dress on. It was that easy. The, 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 the calzone in uh, the Pizza Express down the road isn't isn't the best. <laughs> Let's go to Rome instead. <laughs> Don't quite fancy the dough balls in the local Italian. <laughs> Off to Milan, sweetie. <laughs> Could you imagine how difficult it would be getting a registration, uh, getting a getting a table at like the world's best restaurants? Yeah. It would be pretty pretty intense. And also, why would you go to the local Italian if you could just go to an Italian? Yeah, just a normal one off the streets of Milan or Rome or something. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not going down the bottom of the road. I'll just go to Naples. Yeah. yeah. Fancy a pizza? Let's go there then. <laughs> do, you, do, do, you do, do you do collection? Yep, fine. <laughs> good. Exactly. Well, you know, you can see I've thought about this. <laughs> Yeah, I like this. All right, cool. So, uh, Akish wants a car that fires missiles and Hayley wants to be able to go around the world in, in seconds. Correction, Lun- he, wants lunatic. To, he wants one to fire missiles at the Liveroo drive. <laughs> riders, riders. Riders, sorry, yeah, riders. <laughs> but we like them, we like them. They're the front line at the moment. So, you know, they're, 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 they've got a hard job over the next month or so. They do. To be fair. Jesus. Right. Okay, guys. Uh, that brings us to the end of the week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy your weekends, everybody. Um, doing whatever you're allowed to do. If you're if you're in Wales, have a great time. Everyone else, we'll be back next week. Stay in lockdown. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>